Are you looking for a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about the New Orleans Saints draft, salary cap situation, and potential free agents that they can pursue? Well, we got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And of course, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media. You can find me over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints, their senior writer and reporter. You could always also catch me Tuesdays on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you and sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is going to do everything that they can to make sure that they connect you with the right licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to get to your questions from the Locked on Saints multiverse, starting with, can A.T. Perry become a star in the New Orleans Saints offense? What will he need to do to get there? We'll break that down as well as answer more of your questions as well. We're also going to take a look at updating the New Orleans Saints salary cap situation. How much money do they have? How much money will the rookies cost? And who are some of the veteran free agents they could potentially produce or pursue rather with that money? But first, I want to start off with the New Orleans Saints draft class being a safe draft class, which does not necessarily mean a bad thing. That's not a negative situation. So I want to dive into that. Before we do, I want to take a brief pause for a moment before we really, really get started with today's show. And I want to tell you a quick story about a podcaster named Ross Jackson. Um, Ross Jackson once did a show with a genius named Brad Spielberger from PFF, at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Um, After doing that show, Ross then went on to produce more content because Ross produces content at a high level uh, or tries to. I don't know if I succeed, but I try to. And uh, in the midst of cleaning out some things from his computer to make space for more of that sweet, sweet content, Ross deleted an entire interview with Brad Spielberger. So this is my public apology to Brad Spielberger, (laughs) pro football focus and over the cap. And my public apology to you for letting you down because Brad said so many genius things. And now the only way you're going to be able to find them out is by going to his Twitter account right now at PFF underscore Brad and following Brad Spielberger. So go and do that. Okay. So let's get started here. And I'm going to reprise some of the conversation that Brad and I had uh, and just kind of go over you know some of these big talking points with you too, because I talk about the New Orleans Saints draft class being a safe draft class pretty often. I use that word a lot, safe, 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 safe. And I think sometimes that can be misconstrued as a negative. In this case, I don't think it's a negative, especially if you consider the fact that like, if you really think about it, that's kind of what the New Orleans Saints needed. I gave the draft class a B. I broke down what the biggest risk is on the New Orleans Saints draft class, which is Brian Brzee. But this really illustrates to me just how safe this draft class is. Brian Brzee being your biggest risk is not a bad 
thing. His biggest injuries, he is now two years removed from ACL and in a shoulder injury that he had a surgery for before in September of 2022, but was not the thing that kept him out in 2022. He had that kidney you know, infection um, situation. I've had people, someone very close to me, deal with two kidney infections over the course of the past couple of years. And I will tell you right now, from seeing it with my own two eyes, it is debilitating. That's rough. I don't care if you're 290 pounds or not. That's rough. I don't care how much you bench press. When your kidneys hurt, your kidneys hurt. So when I talk about the New Orleans draft class being a safe thing, I just want to emphasize that it's not a bad draft class. It's not one of those things. And I think you can look at that. You can see this is not a bad draft class. Like You can see the vision with Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey. Productive guys at the collegiate level, productive guys ahead of the collegiate level. Isaiah Foskey, in particular, 26 and a half sacks throughout his time at Notre Dame, the career sack leader there. Um, you get to pair him up now to the next or opposite the career sack leader for the New Orleans Saints and potentially be the successor to a guy like Cam Jordan. Brian Brzee, the Saints needed defensive interior help. They were desperate for it and they got it. And then you know what? And they got it with with free agents too. Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard, uh, economic good spending by the New Orleans Saints. Kendra Miller rounds out your running back room. He adds not only a counter or not only the same type of punch that you can get with guys like Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams, in that he can run some of the same things as both of those guys. Even though you know he wasn't asked to catch a lot coming out of. Uh, TCU, only 26 receptions during that time, but you've seen his ability to catch out of frame and pluck passes up off the turf because they were thrown low while Max Duggan was under duress in a screen situation. You also see the screens that they run. And this, like, you want to find, you want to find something that lets you know that a player is going to be able to translate to the New Orleans Saints. Go and look at Kendra Miller on third and 10, on third and 17 getting screen passes, one cut, north-south, barreling through defenders and picking up the first down. If I told you right now, Kendra Miller's fit in the New Orleans Saints offense is that he is going to convert third and longs at 40%, at a 40% rate, you'd cough up the money right away to get that guy into the New Orleans Saints locker room. Like, yeah, Absolutely. So you want to find a way for this guy to fit in? Well, he's got several ways to fit in, but not only is he somebody that can kind of mimic little things that both of these guys in Jamal Williams, as well as Alvin Kamara can do, he's not a perfect copy of either one. And that's a good thing for New Orleans, because then he can also serve a, as a counterpunch to both. So let's say that the Saints don't have Alvin Kamara for the first six games, and they're relying on Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams. So then all of a sudden you start to get used to Kendra Miller producing in one way, wearing that 25, by the way, which is super dope. He's got the Reggie Bush number. And then all of a sudden Alvin Kamara enters the chat. And then now the way that Jamal Williams is used changes, the way that Kendra Miller is used changes. And then now defenses have to game plan for an entirely different rushing attack, an entirely different backfield attack. That's pretty good. Pretty good situation to be in. Nick Saldiverde is a guy that comes in and shores up your depth and is somebody that is going to help you get a starter talent, starter level, starter caliber player on the interior there and ready in case somebody goes down with an injury. And I'm going to be honest with you, y'all, and maybe I'm tooting the horn a little bit too much when it comes to Nick Saldiverde, but he might compete with Andrews Pete in training camp for a starting role at left guard. Like, I'm not going to rule that out, just because the Saints always go into training camp with their depth chart written in pencil, ready to erase and ready to rewrite. Yeah, I can see that. 
Jake Hayner is somebody that like probably is going to be a backup quarterback in the New Orleans Saints system for a long time, and he's going to be an awesome backup quarterback for Derek Carr, who is his mentor. He will see the field the same way as Derek Carr sees the field. Um, Jordan Howden, we've broken down several times because I think he actually might be the guy that I feel like is the most unsung player in this draft class, but still one that I'm really excited about. Special teams, nickel safety, um, dime guy, uh, 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 free safety, playing you know single high roles, split safety roles. The guy's done it all, 3,000 uh, snaps on defense throughout his career with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And then A.T. Perry, well, gonna, we're going to actually break him down a little bit, little bit more in just a little bit when we get to your questions. But not to be slept on just because he's a six-round selection, should have been drafted higher. The character concerns are not a, not a thing that I'm concerned about at all. Clearly not a thing that the New Orleans Saints are concerned about. I broke those down in yesterday's episode, the live episode around A.T. Perry, if you want to go and get more information on that. But all in all, this is a safe draft class for the New Orleans Saints, and it's exactly what they need. The biggest, the biggest risk that you take with big swings is that you end up with big misses. Marcus Davenport was a big swing, and he was a big miss. The New Orleans Saints don't have any examples of that despite trading up three times in this draft. I'm lucky that there's a camera here because if, 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 if you and I were just standing in front of one another, I would have just spit on you. I apologize. But there's no swings. There's no big swings and misses here. Uh, the way that Brad outlined it in the, uh, the legendary episode, the unseen episode, uh, is that like they got a lot of base hits. And then those base hits add up to the point where you're going to start driving guys home and then you're scoring runs. And that's what it is that the New Orleans Saints needed. That's exactly what it is the New Orleans Saints did in this draft class. So don't misunderstand when somebody says that this was a safe draft class, or this was a B draft class for the New Orleans Saints, that that's a bad thing. That's what the New Orleans Saints did. They needed to get on base and they're there and now they're in scoring position. Can they take it all home? Comes down to what they do for the rest of the offseason. And that's why we're going to take a look next at what the New Orleans State salary cap situation is, how it's impacted by this draft class, and what they should do with that money. We got that coming up for you next as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Saints is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. I always talk about the barriers of entry when it comes to therapy because it was something that kept me from seeking therapy for a very long time throughout my life even though I very much was in need of it. And I love BetterHelp for the convenience that it provides to help you get over some of those barriers. It's way more cost-effective than traditional therapy. You don't have to deal with traffic and waiting rooms and the social stigma and things like that. You can do all of this from the comfort of your own home or even on your lunch break at work or whenever you've got the time, you'll be able to utilize the endless assets that BetterHelp provides you, including finding a licensed therapist that fits your experience and your background that is strictly a good match for you. And if it turns out that they aren't, it's also free to switch. So it's cost-effective in a whole other way as well. So make sure you go and check them out today. BetterHelp. Help find your balance with BetterHelp today. You can also get 10% off of your first month just by heading over to betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on to learn more today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you every dayers, as always, for being here with us and for making us your first listen of the day 
every day. Make sure you go and check out our live show later on today. Go subscribe to the Locked On Saints YouTube page. Catch it live or don't worry about it. You'll catch it later uh, through audio or wherever uh, as well. You can find that. And that's going to be next up. Our breakdown is going to be taking a look at guys like Jake Hayner and Nick Saldaveri and really kind of looking at the future projections for those guys because I think that's what matters more than the immediate 2023 outlook for them, maybe more so for Jake Hayner, but we'll get a little bit more in detail on Nick Saldaveri uh, as well. And as we roll in throughout the rest of the week, of course, we have schedule release, all of those great things too. So a ton of fun stuff coming up for you here on Locked on Saints all throughout the week that you won't want to miss. Um, All right, so we want to take a look at the Saints salary cap situation. Uh, According to Over the Cap, they're sitting at around 16 and a half-ish million dollars available to them. But how is that impacted by the Saints draft class? Well, the Saints draft class is going to come in. They're going to sign their contracts. And remember, there's a top 51 cutoff, which means that even though you're building a 90-man roster, only the 51 highest salaries will count against that salary cap. So when you look at the Saints being $16.5 million under the salary cap, part of that is because of the fact that you're only counting the top 51 guys. The last top 51 player is a $940,000 contract. So anything that comes in above that is going to push some of those other contracts out of the top 51, right? So there's only about three, maybe four players for the Saints that are actually coming in at over in this draft class, $940,000 when it comes to their guarantees, signing bonus, their cap hit, basically. And so because of that, you're going to see a savings of $940,000 pop out, a savings of $1.08 million pop out, another savings of $1.08 million pop out. And at most, you're seeing a cap hit of around $2.7 million or so for the first year when it comes to Brian Brzee, the highest one. And, and maybe I'm under, maybe I'm under selling that for a moment. But just remember that whatever that cap hit is, it's impacted by somebody else's cap hit falling out of that top 51. So some of these things kind of balance out. So again, in the unseen episode with or unheard episode with uh, with Brad Spielberger, he outlined that effectively the difference between what the Saints will take on versus what the Saints will free up because of the top 51 cutoff is around $3 million. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's what the rookie class of seven is going to cost the New Orleans Saints, somewhere around there. So it's safe to say that the Saints will have around $13.5 million. Let's be crazy and call it $12.5 million just for fun. That's a lot of money for the Saints, right? Like we're not used to the Saints going into the season with double digit millions of dollars in surplus. That doesn't happen. And there's a couple of different ways the Saints can use this. They could use this right away by going out and signing some veterans in free agency, guys like Cameron Brait at the tight end position, guys like Yannick Ngakwe at the defensive end position, those veteran guys, those are some of the veteran players you can go and spend that money on. But there's other ways to utilize those funds as well. Let's say that the Saints instead bring in some more vet minimum guys. They've got seven spots available on the roster, 83 out of 90 spots currently filled. Let's say they go out there and they sign a bunch of vet minimum guys, guys that come in on the vet minimum uh, salary benefit where their cap hit is actually less than their cash value in 2023. And with that, carry, I don't know, somewhere between five and $10 million in, uh, available into 2023. Ross, why would they carry that amount of money into 2023? Well, there's a couple different things. Injuries, first of all. One of the reasons why the Saints have been so impacted by injuries is not only because they haven't had the depth 
beyond their starting lineups for the past couple of years. I think it's safe to say since what? The COVID year, 2020, where they had to make those cuts. But they also haven't had the salary to be able to go out and sign players during the regular season to go ahead and bring some proven players in, nor have they been able to really take advantage of the trade deadline since what? Quan Alexander? So maybe carrying somewhere between 5 to $10 million ends up helping the Saints in the long run. It also helps you in the long run when it comes to a guy like Foster Moreau, who you could potentially sign, put on the non-football injury list, not spend more than many dimes on until you actually activate him to the roster sometime in October, maybe even December. A guy like Jamison Williams, for instance, he came in to uh, on the NFI list last year for the Detroit Lions and wasn't activated until week 13, December 3rd, I believe was his activation date. The games that weekend were December 5th, pretty sure it was week 13. Could be a good way for the Saints to go about it. Otherwise, they save that surplus of money, go into 2023's offseason or 2024's offseason, rather, with that money. And then that money rolls over. And then that's the sound of me chipping away at their currently $53 million overage in 2024. And, you know, look, we're not going to panic about the fact that they are $52, $53 million over the salary cap in 2024. That's small potatoes. That's small potatoes for Kai Harley and Mickey Loomis and all the guys there that are going to get everything taken care of. Small potatoes, not a problem at all. So I dig really like where the Saints are in terms of having that surplus going into the season. Yeah, you can go and spend all of it willy-nilly, but you don't really have to. Like Even guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Cameron Braid are not going to carry big price tags at this point in the season. And even if they did, they're carrying larger price tags on multi-year deals or incentive-heavy deals which allow you to be able to push some of that money down the road and then only spend on a cost-controlled level in 2022. For instance, Tyron Matthew signed after the compensatory period in 2022, and they had a cost-controlled first year, all of those things, um, and has you know void years on the contract, all that. Jarvis Landry signed after the compensatory period in 2022, what do they do? They gave him an incentive-heavy contract, $3 million, could go up to $6 million or whatever it was to be able to kick some of that down the road. So the Saints could mimic those approaches in 2023 without actually having to spend a ton of money. And then you can still carry some money into the season to where you can take advantage of what could be out there in terms of the trade deadline, that could be out there in terms of um, uh, you know rolling into the next season, all of that. One of the other things, we'll wrap up on salary cap here. Uh, and approaches that Brad and I broke down was the Saints' new approach to compensatory picks. They're in line for two fourth-round compensatory picks and a sixth-round compensatory pick in next year. That's good news for the New Orleans Saints because that also means that at that trade deadline, they could possibly be a little bit more active knowing that, hey, we you know, trade away a fifth-round selection, knowing that they've got two-fourths potentially coming on the way and a sixth where they can still move around and things like that. So lots of good things for the New Orleans Saints to do. And Look, they might still trade other players away to be able to bring in more draft capital too by the time that roster cuts come around. The Saints have always been a team with a pension to do that. They like doing that. And I think that's a situation that they might be able to benefit off of uh, if the right offer were to appear. You think back to guys like Devaro Lawrence, and I believe Jerome Elliott was one of those guys they traded away. Maybe he was cut. Uh, maybe he was cut. Uh, but Malcolm Brown is a good example of that as well. So maybe the Saints move a player instead of just cutting them and then get something back for them uh, in exchange for the team that's trading for them to get the player that they want instead of having to try to 
fish them up off of waivers and stuff like that. And then, of course, look, here's the other thing, too. The Saints save a little bit of that salary cap and, and that surplus. And then when those roster cuts happen, because remember, the teams across the NFL are going from 90 to 53 after the third preseason game, not doing the sort of the scaffolding release that they've been doing, which wasn't super scaffolding. You release five, you release another five, and then you had to drop all the way down to 53. Uh, but it also means that the Saints have the money available to pick up players off of waivers when they're released and assume the contract that they're on, which saves them from having to do any negotiating, a la what they did with uh, Eno Benjamin partway through the season. So lots of good stuff for the New Orleans Saints because of the money that they're holding on to. All right, coming up next, answering your questions, how long will it take for A.T. Perry to become a star if he does? And what is the one thing, the one thing that he can adjust right away that would take him over the top immediately? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from all around the Locked on Saints multiverse. Big thank you to all of you everydayers out there joining for the live shows, coming through for the regular releases and hitting me up on Twitter and the Facebook group and everything. Absolutely love it. The offseason is always so exciting. And you make it all the more exciting as well. Let's start off with our first question today. It's coming from Eric from the DMs coming through with Ken A.T. Perry become a top wideout in a few years. So does he have the tools to get it done? Height, weight, speed wise, athletics measurables, his you know production in college, his ability to run, you know, a, a plethora of routes, even though we only saw some of them at Wake Forest, you could see more of it during his pro day workouts, things like that. And of course, Cody Burns, the New Orleans Saints wide receiver coach, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, great route runners to learn from. I think he can be. I think the biggest key for him is going to be, I think a lot of people are going to point out the drops. I'm actually not as worried about the drops. Concentration drops, focus drops aren't a big deal to me. It's I'm fully locked in. I know the ball is coming. I know exactly where it's going to go. Oops, I dropped it drops. Those are the ones that freak me out a little bit about wide receivers. A.T. Perry's not that guy, right? He had some focus and concentration things. They'll work on that. That's an easy one to get fixed. That is one of those things that is a teachable improvement that he can set forth for. But the thing that I think that he'll that, that will, will benefit him most if he can improve in it is going to be his ability to get a little bit better at finding those open spots in coverage. We did a whole episode yesterday evening, the live show, breaking down A.T. Perry, his fit with the offense. Can he be the next Marcus Colston? All those other things. And I actually like what somebody said in the chat uh, during that during that show, which is that A.T. Perry reminds him of T. Higgins. I feel similarly, actually. T. Higgins was one of those guys that just went to a bigger program, but was a big guy that did more than just big guy things. And I think that A.T. Perry can be that guy too. His ability to run slants, to run those dig routes, those out routes, those comebacks, those curls, things like that, in addition to just being a downfield guy. But the way that he'll get better and continue to produce in those areas will be his ability to be able to improvise off of those routes, come out of his stem with an understanding of, okay, where's the green grass? Where's the space in between zones? And how do I bend this route, cut this route a little early, bend it a little bit uh, you know, flatter, maybe take it a little bit steeper upfield, things like that, that those are going to be the things that he's going to have to adjust to. And look, he'll have a good group around him that will help him with that because Chris Olave Michael Thomas, Rashid Shaheed, Derek Carr, who sees the field really well, they're going to see how defenses are playing certain route combinations, certain schemes, how they're responding to some of the things that the Saints are doing. And then somebody can go up to AT and say, hey, if you th- think back to the the touchdown that um, 
uh, Jameis Winston threw to Deontay Hardy when he got into, I believe it was during, uh, it was during training camp. He went into the huddle. He went to Deontay Hardy and he said, Hey, the way that the defense is playing this, if you just, if you run the post, but take a steeper angle or a, a sharper angle towards the goal line that, or towards the goalpost, then you're going to hit green grass. But if you, if you break it off at that sort of 75%, you know, angle or whatever, then all of a sudden 75% angle, you know what I mean? That, you know, that quarter angle, then all of a sudden you're going to be you know, running into coverage. And so if he just listens to the guys around him and watches what they do, he'll inherently get better at that. For more on A.T. Perry, make sure you go back and check out yesterday's live stream. It's sticking wide receivers here. Um, got a question about, a lot of questions actually about what's going to happen with Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry finished the season on injured reserve, but because unlike other guys like Smoke Monday and DeMarco Jackson, who also finished the season on injured reserve, his contract expired while on IR. So he is technically a free agent. I don't know where he is on his recovery. He is, might be one of the quietest big names out there when it comes to uh, free agency. And I don't think that there's a reason to expect that the Saints wouldn't bring him back, at least for training camp, to see how he's doing and things like that. But we could also be seeing an unfortunate sort of reality that maybe Jarvis Landry could be done sooner rather than later in the NFL. Or maybe he's one of those guys that doesn't sign during training camp, but gets the phone call when the team's dealing with injuries later in the season and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I think that there's a, a chance that there's, there's a team out there that could certainly use a Jarvis Landry. I mean, even the Saints to an extent in terms of what their expectation was for him in the role last year was to be a pure slot guy. They don't have that guy right now. And unless they're going to teach Chris, not Chris Olave, I'm sorry, unless they're going to teach Rashid Tahid to be that guy or A.T. Perry is going to get his wish to play him more in the slot, then I think that's still a, a thing you're looking to maybe add on to. You know what I mean? Um, so it's curious. It's really interesting. Like nothing. It's been completely quiet on the Jarvis Landry front all offseason, not just for New Orleans, but really just kind of across the league. Let's get to It's Poppy 504 here who asked, hey, Ross. Hey. Uh, do you see the Saints moving on from Michael Thomas after the season, regardless of him playing this year? Yeah, look, I, <laughs> that's my answer. Whatever that was, that's my answer. Because there's so many realities, right? I mean, he has a great, let's say he plays all 17 games in 2022, 2023, and he has a great season. And the New Orleans Saints really like Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed, and A.T. Perry, and don't feel the need to cough up 20 plus million dollars to keep Michael Thomas in New Orleans. That's a reality. There's a reality that he has a good season and he comes back on a team-friendly deal. That's that's definitely uh, uh, you know an optimal situation. There's a chance where he has another injury set in and the team and him decide at the end of it all that this ain't great, this ain't working. And then that's another reality. And then there's several other realities in between all that, right? So there's a whole bunch of things that can happen here. The way that I would say it is this. If there is a sensible opportunity to keep Michael Thomas in New Orleans beyond 2024 or beyond 2023, keeping him on his age, injury history, production, all of those things, and being respectful of the production that he does show you in 2023 and believing who he shows you he is in 2023 for better or for worse, if there's a reasonable situation and desire to keep him in New Orleans, it's worth finding a way to do that. But if there's not a reasonable desire and if there's not a reasonable way to get it done, the Saints have a lot of talent. I'll just say it that way. Uh, let's finish up here with Flo Ryan, who asks, if Foster Moreau was to not sign with the New Orleans Saints, do you see a tight end that they might trade for uh, or that's somebody that could likely be a cut post-June 1 uh, that would be worth bringing in? I don't know if there's going to be a big name tight end that is going to be like, a there's a team that is waiting to defer their salary cap hit into the next two years 
or something like that that's going to become a post-June 1 cut. I think more than likely, maybe there's a tight end that hits the market because another young tight end ended up in the same in, in a good situation. And so they move on from a veteran tight end or something like that after the roster cuts after the preseason. But I think that's going to happen a lot later. The thing that I'd be interested in is I've seen a lot of people talk about Jordan Thomas, who absolutely balled out in the XFL. Does he get a phone call from the New Orleans Saints? Carolina Panthers are looking at him. New Orleans Saints could potentially invite him to camps and things like that as well. Uh, and then, of course, there's Cameron Bray, uh, who's a free agent. I don't know if trading for a tight end would be the route that they go. They have their starting tight end in Juwan Johnson. You're just looking for a second guy to pair with them. That's also a functional blocker and pass catcher. And I think Cameron Bray checks those boxes and is familiar with your system. He's seen it twice a year, all those other things. The Saints have seen him twice a year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe go that route because you're not necessarily looking for somebody that's going to be a world beater or a game changer or anything like that. You're just looking for somebody to pair up with your your, your tight end one in Juwan Johnson. And there's no mistake about it that Juwan Johnson is that guy. And so I, I think it's easier than that. Believe it or not, me for a change, actually saying something in the NFL might actually be easier. Um, so I, I don't think you have to dive into shifting away or, or, or sending away players or future assets and things like that for you know a second tight end when there's guys that you can find on the roster or, or on free agency that can do that. And maybe some guys you can roll the dice on. And there's still Lucas Kroll as well, like this guy out of pit who you know, was uh, a very, very good, good tight end there who had flashes in 2022, give him an opportunity during training camp and everything, because there's not really a need to rush. You don't have to solve that problem today. You can solve that problem in a couple of days. You know what I mean? So uh, I think the Saints have the time that they need to address that position without having to get too, um, without having to get into the desperation conversation of having to trade stuff away and stuff like that, unless just the right opportunity presents itself. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know if that's going to happen this offseason. All right, y'all. Coming up later on today, we're doing our next live stream. We'll be taking a look at both Jay Kaner and Nick Saldaveri. I paired them up because we're looking at the future aspect a lot when it comes to these guys. So how do they potentially fit in this New Orleans Saints offense and how could they contribute right away? But mostly taking a look at the future for both of these players. We're going to be breaking those down in tomorrow's live stream, which will be right around 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, oh, excuse me, Central time or so over in the Locked on Saints YouTube page. Make sure you come through for that and much more here all throughout the week before we get to the UDFAs and a whole bunch of other stuff before mini camps this weekend. And of course, Thursday night will be live right after the schedule is released. And I don't mean when the NFL releases the schedule. I mean, when we have the schedule. So we'll get to all that here all throughout the week. Appreciate you as always. Make Locked On Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show to all the everydayers out there. As always, I appreciate you very, very much for being here. And of course, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.